Father God, I thank you that your love never, ever fails. It is absolutely rock solid. It will never change just as much as you will never change, Jesus. And we can absolutely rely on it. When things are going wrong in our lives or things aren't happening as we want them to, Jesus, we, we can always rely on you and know full well that you just adore us and you want us to succeed and you want what's best for us, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Feel free to take a seat. Thank you, band. Thank you very much. Um, this morning we have the next in our series of interviews. Um, in a minute I'm going to invite George and Faye Jameson to come and join us. Thank you very much, Keith. Round of applause for my beautiful assistant. Isn't he handsome? <laughs> He's pretty good on the keyboard as well. Um, and I don't know about you, but I've absolutely loved this series. And it's when it was proposed, I heard about it, I was a bit like... Uh, I don't know if it's going to work, maybe it'll be a bit clumsy, but you know what, it's been so good for me to hear people's stories, people who you wouldn't, normally wouldn't see at the front of church, and just getting them to open up, and I think three out of three weeks we've had tears, so <laughs> no no pressure. Um, but it's, isn't it amazing, the honesty of people at the front have just been sharing their lives and their hearts of what Jesus has done for them, and the cost of their life and and i would just like to invite george and philip now to come and come and join us and as they come and tell us their story and the title of today is uh, jesus is my foundation i mean they're just going to talk about what what that means in their lives and i'm going to lead them through some questions so give them a big round of applause at some point you might get to meet some of the other members of their family as well which is absolutely fine So while I mess about with these things, do you just want to give, both give us a 30-second introduction of who you are, where you come from, and obviously your accents, you're not from Teesside, so just give us a bit of background. Hi, so that's something we often hear being up here is you're not from around here, are you? I generally hear that once a week when I'm doing the shop at Aldi or wherever I am. Um, but it's always pretty refreshing to see just how friendly everyone is up here. Um, but my name's George. I'm married to Faye. Um, she'll explain a bit more about that. I grew up in the south of England, hence I'm not from around here. Um, my dad was, he's now retired. He, he was a vicar, a Church of England vicar, so I grew up in a vicarage. Um, and I was surrounded by church and everything that that is. Um, for the last 14 years, I've worked as a pilot, so I fly um, a little jet. Uh, and I've done that up in Teesside for the last 10 years. Nine. Nine years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Faye, and I grew up in Hereford, which is in the West Midlands, quite near Wales. Um, and we've got three children, Ted, who's five, Olive, who's two, and Iris, who's um, six months. Um, they may join us. Um, and when I'm not on maternity leave, I'm a speech and language therapist in the NHS. Awesome, thank you. So, obviously, you're both from different parts of the country. How did you meet, and why did you end up in Teesside? Uh, the how we met bit, has anyone heard of New Wine? Yes. Okay, so we met in New Wine at the sweet age of 16. Uh, we were both working on a team called Pebbles or something like that. It was... It was Skipper's Nippers. It was a child's team, and I was drumming there, um, and 
doing some other stuff, and Faye was also on team. So that was back in 2001. Um, I was also, I like to think I was massively into riding, it's called a dual slalom bike. It's like a little stunt bike, and I think I wooed Faye with my wheelies and my backies and all sorts of stuff. That's what I like to tell myself anyway. Um, and so over that kind of two-week period, we just spent a lot of time hanging out. Uh, I was really excited, because I don't know if those of you who have been to New Wine, it says where you're from uh, on your badge. And so mine said Hertfordshire, and I got really excited when I saw, saw Faye's badge, because I'm pretty sure it said Hertfordshire. It actually said Herefordshire, which was a bit of a drama. Um, and we spent kind of the next seven months having a great time. I'd go up there on the train and visit, but then after seven months, something terrible happened, which I'll let Faye explain. I ended it. <laughs> but anyway, two years later, he won me back again with letter writing skills and a trip to see the Lion King musical. Um, very smooth. And then three years after that, we were married. Um, and then we moved up to Teesside in 2008 for George's job. And it was sold to me as, we just need to move there for one year. So you find yourselves in Teesside. <laughs> Unlucky. <laughs> I'm a Teesside through and through. I love the place, but I know why people don't like it. Um, is there a particular Bible passage that you try and build your lives on? Um, yeah, at our, um, at our wedding, we had Romans 12 read out to us. And um, we're not going to go through the whole passage now. Um, there's loads and loads of gems in there, I think. Um, that are really relevant to us as a couple and to us with other people. Um, and we've just picked out four key verses that we're going to go through. So the first one, this is taken from the message. So here's what I want you to do, God's helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Um, the reason we've chosen that is sometimes we think our lives are quite ordinary. Um, Mike joked that the p previous three weeks has been tears. We felt like there's not going to be tears with us. <laughs> um, we weren't entirely sure why we'd been asked, but anyway. Um, and our life with three children can be um, crazy and hilarious and hard work, um, but it can also feel quite ordinary. So there's lots of routines like the school run and the bedtime routine, and it's quite mundane a lot of the time and monotonous. And it's and it's easy for me sometimes to feel that I'd be more use for God's kingdom if I wasn't almost tied down at times by those routines. Um, but I love this verse because it helps me realise that. Um, God's in those times, God's in the small things. Um, I can be used whatever I'm doing and wherever I am. And right now, that's my life. That's our life. So just some little examples. Um, like if I start my day asking for God's spirit to lead me, then my conversations with people I meet are always so much better. Um, sometimes I'm great at listening to God and I'm prompted to just send a message to a school mum or, you know, some, I was a school mum. I realised I hadn't seen her for a long time in the playground. I was able to text her. It turned out she'd had an operation and she was really worried about how it had gone. I was able to say I was going to pray for her. So just little things like that. 
Uh, the second one, if you could put that up so I can read it. Perfect. Um, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it even without thinking or without even thinking. And this is something that I uh, have really struggled with. Um, generally at work, I'm, I'm pretty or I have been pretty involved in the place that I work. I was a chief pilot for a bit, so I was managing up to 17 or 18 pilots who were all pretty emotional. Um, and it's really easy to fit in that, into that routine, to fit into their routine, because that's what makes life easy. And it's something I really struggle with. Um, the people I work with, lots of them are ex-military. They're all very opinionated. They're all, uh, I'd say, pretty... They're, they're not interested in any form of... I don't like the term religion, but they're, they're, they're not interested in it. They're quite... Uh, that they'll talk about a made-up friend and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, as, as much as I try and push into that and have conversations, it's pretty easy to get shut down. Um, so the way I kind of deal with that is in, I try not to smash people over the head with it, but I also need to be real in who I am. Um, and so it's, it's how I manage people, and I haven't got this right by any means. It's how I strive to manage people. It's how I talk to people. It's how I represent myself uh, within that environment. And that is really challenging. Um, a lot of the time, that actually involves calling people out on stuff. Um, so you'll be, you'll, you'll, I'll be at work, I'll hear various conversations going around, and I have to smash heads together and actually get the truth out there. Uh, okay, not literally. Um, but just getting people talking, and it would be so much easier to be one of those people in the crew room that's yeah, telling tales, it's doing this, it's doing that, and it's really important that we don't do that. And we actually, yeah, it, we hear it all the time, don't we? Just be, be the light in your workplace. And that's such an easy thing to say. It is so challenging to do. Uh, and I definitely haven't got it right. Uh, as part of that, as yeah, my job, unfortunately, it takes me all over the world. Um, and so I spend a lot of time away, which is, you know, going back to what Faye was saying, that's really challenging for her. So where life can appear pretty mundane, actually, she does a lot of it as a single parent. Um, for me, that comes with another challenge, again, that I'm away from my family, I'm away from uh, church. And that can be up to, you know, a few years ago, I was away for six weeks, and I was in different cultures. Um, and it's, it's how you find, how you make this verse... Uh, still applicable to you when you're spending so much time away in different cultures with different people and that just you have to maintain plugged into God and it's really challenging and I have not got it right so third one out of four um, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't um, now this verse was so relevant to the women's event yesterday, um, and there were some fantastic talks looking at this more. But that just stood out to me. I spent a lot of time and energy um, comparing myself with other people, um, also trying to second-guess what people will think of me, um, what they're thinking about me, and then almost trying to live a different way or live apologetically or change who I am to make people not think what I think they're thinking of me. Um, and it's just a big waste of time, and um, I'm working on it. And then I like the way where it also says, so that's sort of the enviously comparing, but the pridefully comparing. Um, George and I have realized 
our main mistake with children and our marriage is the prideful comparison of who's the most tired. Um, (laughs) So this verse speaks to us a lot that we just need to stop that because we're never going to let the other one win. And then the final one says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And this verse, you know, really challenges me because it sounds super woolly, you know, let world peace, let's all be at peace with one another. But I look at it in a slightly different way and I look at it from a point of of conflict. Now, now conflict is a really challenging word and perhaps it's the wrong word to use, but I'm going to go with it because I think... To be at peace, at times, there's going to have to be some conflict that you'll go through. And hopefully, through going through that conflict, there will be peace at the end. And so, in in a really, and bear with me on this, in a really odd sort of way, at times, I quite like conflict because it means people are being real with each other. It means that issues are being worked through and you're working towards this concept of peace. Um, And again, I've seen a lot of this at work in a management role and outside of work as well. Um, this whole concept of conflict, when, when conflict arises, it needs to be managed really well and very carefully, but it does start to mean uh, that people are being honest. And, and I've seen a lot of the time with issues around uh, conflict is that it all stems from a misunderstanding or a miscommunication. Maybe that's too general, but lots of it does. And lots of it, therefore, is second or third hand, and it it grows, and it it gathers momentum, and suddenly you get to a place, and you're thinking, crikey, how did we get here? When actually, if we can go through this process, and where necessary, I'm going to mention it again, where necessary there may be conflict, and you can work through that, then you can begin to get to the peaceful part. And that's something that I've had to deal with at work, it's something I've dealt with outside of work, and, and I... I think the process is good. Um, but I see this verse, instead of being kind of the, uh, the woolly nature that it can appear, in terms of let's just live at peace with each other, I see it to resemble you know, being honest, being humble, and being able to forgive. Uh, and that's something that I think we all need to be better at. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, you've already talked about how you both um, met and how you've moved up here for George's job. But just... Wanted to um, look at what, how does being a Christian change your decision making process? Um, well, when we've thought about this question, we've realised that um, we haven't, well, we don't feel we've had to make any huge, massively huge decisions in our, li- in our life so far. Um, which is probably a good thing, seeing as I am very indecisive. However, uh, over the past year, I'd say we've had to make a couple of big decisions. Um, and it's been a really big learning curve for us because, as Faye's already said, it's not something, you know, through the grace of God, we haven't had to make any huge decisions today. They've kind of, there's just been natural progression there, and that's been really a real blessing for us. Um, but something that we've learned, I guess, over the last year is that we're both quite practical people. We both like to analyze it. You know, we, we've come from a, an era now of risk assessing everything and you go through this process and we, we dealt with it like that. And a, a, a failing that we had 
to start with was actually we need to just sit and pray and listen and yeah, fast and go through that process. And sometimes that can feel like it's just a bit of a box ticking exercise. It, and that's what it felt like to me. It isn't. That's where we absolutely need to start and should have started. And we, we didn't do that. And that's something that we've learned. Um, what else did we do in terms of making decisions? Well, I think you need to meet with people that are, first of all, directly involved in whatever that decision may be. And, and, yeah, and going back to the, what I was talking about previously, if there are any miscommunication or misunderstandings, that's where you can resolve that stuff. And that's what can then be driving your decision-making process. Uh, but then also seek counsel or seek guidance from those indirectly involved. And so we'll always try and go to wise Christians um, that know us, that love us, that we can ask their advice, and that really worked. Um, when making decisions, be prepared to be direct, be prepared to challenge, uh, and that's something that I find relatively straightforward, but then also make sure, or that, again, this is something I've learned, don't be too proud to go back and reevaluate. Did we make the right decision? Did we not? Uh, are there new things at play here? And at times, you may have to change your mind, and you know what, that's absolutely fine. But yeah, first and foremost, and something that we've definitely learned, is to make sure you place God right at the heart of this and make sure that you are seeking his will uh, and you're, you're taking the time just to sit and listen. That should not be misconstrued as doing nothing. So given how busy you are with work and having three kids and you've spoke a little bit about how tired you generally are through lack of sleep and things, how do you um, manage to find time in your day to spend time with God and just to meet with him and pray and things? If I'm being really honest, I don't. And this is something that I struggle with. You know, Faye's already mentioned we've got three children and they're pretty demanding. Uh, jobs are demanding for everyone. Investing in a marriage is demanding. Yeah, life is generally pretty challenging. I think that's so for all of us. Um, and it's become really apparent to me that time is precious, but you have to be intentional. Um, yeah, something that we've struggled with in our marriage is we both meet God in different ways. Um, Faye is very much an extrovert. I'm very much an introvert, and that plays out in my faith. Faith to me is a pretty personal. Um, I can appear, yeah, and Elijah call, called me out on this, and he, he, he was dead right. I can appear to other people like I'm quite a closed shop, um, and that's my personality. And again, that's something I need to work on. Um, but I find it pretty much impossible to sit down and read Christian books. I find it pretty much impossible to listen to podcasts. I think that I, I need to be doing something. I need to be on the move. Um, so in terms of how do I carve out time in my day, I meet God through playing music. I meet God through listening to music. I meet God on my cycle to and from work because that's just me. Um, and I can carve out that hour. Um, and again, I'm saying a lot in this interview, I haven't got it right because I haven't. And this is something I definitely need to be better at. Yeah, for me, when the children have gone to bed and I've finally got half an hour, pe half an hour's peace and Faye's upstairs feeding Iris, that's another time where I can just sit and listen. Um, but I do need to get better at the reading the Bible. I do need to get better at listening to podcasts. You know, it's been one thing I will say, and it's been absolutely great 
I spend a lot of time in Paris because that's where our simulator is and the number of times I'm working late there and I'm listening to Matthew Steele on the website of the talks that I've missed or Elijah or Rachel and that's I mean that is invaluable and it's brilliant so thank you guys for doing that um, another time I'm going to hand over to Faye that I found really useful in the last four weeks and this isn't me is the prayer meetings at half six if you haven't been please come it's just a great hour to sit and listen and it's just time that's carved out it's an hour and I tell you what it feels like five minutes and it is absolutely brilliant so I implore you it's a bit of a shameless plug I implore you to come down um as for me um there is a constant tension um sometimes I feel like I've got things okay and I know what I'm doing and when I'm doing it and so for example I used to listen to lots of podcasts of talks uh, especially if I was like when the girls were napping and I was doing some jobs I would just put something on and that would be great for me but then Olive has decided that she no longer wants to nap um, and I can't remember the last I haven't listened to a podcast for a number of weeks because I haven't yet worked out how I can fit that into the new routine um, and sometimes my quiet times, as I used to have, um, now seem to be my time with Ted before he goes to bed when we're reading the Bible together and praying and listening to God together. Um, and sometimes I can sit and feel guilty that that's what it has come to some days, but God is gracious and like Ted asked me amazing questions which challenged my faith and Sometimes the Bible story is absolutely spot on for, for me and it talks to me. Um, and it's a real privilege to share, like to bring up children in faith. And it, it does strengthen um, mine. Like the other day, Ted asked for Jesus to live in, live in him. And we prayed for him and for the Holy Spirit to live in him. And it was such a powerful moment. And that was like amazing for my faith. And it was just, you know, what I could offer. Um, but practically, sometimes I just feel too tired to sit and read the Bible. I would fall asleep, but I can, on the Bible app, I can let it be read to me, and I can hear it, and I can take it in that way. Um, and I do have quite a lot of time in the middle of the night. Um, and sometimes I have, you know, I have to make the choice. Is it going to be EastEnders, or is it going to be Jesus? So... <laughs> Um, you talked about um, how you moved up here for George's job and, and settled here. But following, following that, I assume, I mean, you come across as very kind of practical, logical, measured people, but I assume that having moved here, not really knowing anyone around here, it must have been tough. How do you think um, God worked through that situation to help you find peace and know that you were where he wanted you to be? Um, well, I was bitter. Um, don't worry, we love Teesside, but um, at the beginning, it wasn't where we had, I had planned that we would spend our married life. We, I thought we would be in Sheffield, where, we'd, where I'd gone to university, and where we'd made all these um, friends, and we had community there. And then suddenly, we'd moved here for George's job, and I guess I felt like the sidekick to God's plan for George. Um, but we did choose this church quickly and we did get stuck in and we did make friends um which was a big turning point for us um and then I think maybe six months or a year down the line I remember one of the services 
um, when we were in the Riverside College, I think, um, about surrender. And I think that was a big turning point for me again, surrendering what I had thought we would be doing and what I'd hoped for, um, and realizing that if we were married, then we were a team. And so if God had called George here with work, then there was a plan for me as well. Thanks. Um, you mentioned community there and friends and stuff. What, what importance do you put on being part of a community of Christians, particularly in, in your lives? Well, Faith just mentioned when we came up here, we knew no one. Uh, and it was particularly great because we came up here and then I'd just disappear off for three weeks. And I'd have community with the guys at work and I'd leave Faye uh, with no one. And that's really challenging, uh, much more for Faye than for me. But what was really encouraging, and I, I remember it still, I was away, uh, deployed with the aeroplane, and I had a call from Faye to say that she had met up with some friends at church. They'd invited her over for dinner. Uh, and while I was away for that two-week period, I came back, and suddenly we were... Uh, in, in a connect group, we had a friendship network, and it just really snowballed from there. And, and what an amazing thing to be able to have uh, move into the area. So that was, that was absolutely vital, I think, for us. And, it, and as Faye said, it, it, it was great in terms of I bought Faye here because of a job, but then it appeared to be that Faye gave me all my friends because Faye's great at doing that side of life. So there was a real team effort to get stuck in, which was brilliant. Um, outside of that though we do and again this is all through Faye we do have lots of um, friends who are yet to become Christians and they're really important to us and it's it's how we live out our lives and portray Jesus to to those guys and and yet invite them to church invite them in for Christmas and all that sort of stuff is dead important Um, but what's so important to us specifically about Christian community is I think it's really easy to get caught up in the melee of life and to become completely consumed. I think you generally tend to take on the values of those you choose to surround yourself with. Um, That's certainly true for me. So if we can surround ourselves with people who love Jesus, who know Jesus, who have a relationship with him, um, and and are really excited about where Teesside Vineyard's going, and and that is absolutely where we want to be. And that's been a real blessing, and hopefully will continue to be a blessing as we get stuck in. Therefore, again, if you're stuck into a Christian community, you've got people to be vulnerable with, which I think is really important. Um, You've got people that can celebrate with you, that can struggle with you. And I think through all of that, God can be glorified. Um, And looking where we are nine, nine years later, yeah, yeah, here we are. We're in a place that we never would have chosen to be. But now I would never choose to be anywhere else. I love the northeast of England. I love the fact I can get in a car and I can travel at about one mile a minute. Yeah, that's not what I'm used to being back home. We're now investing in our children's lives up here. You know, Mike and Rachel are all our children's godparents. You know, they will now be lifelong friends. And there's loads more to come. And I find that really, really encouraging. And how exciting that God had all of this planned. Yeah, we, we were planning to be in Sheffield. I was planning to fly for BMI. And look what, it's, it's just crazy. And all of this is glory to God. Um, but as part of that, again, I, I did a bit of a shameless plug earlier. I'd say it's really difficult, or, or the thing that really 
got us involved in this church was being part of a smaller community within a connect group. And so I'd really encourage anyone who's not part of a connect group and is just doing church on a big level, try and take it down a notch and try and get stuck into a connect group, get community so you can have people that you can be vulnerable with. Thank you very much. Give a big round of applause. You can go, yeah. <laughs> and it, for me, uh, it's, as they said, we're, we're quite close with George and Fay, and it's an absolute privilege that I get to be the one to, to interview them because they are a big part of our lives and we, we do life together. And that's, that's part of what it means to be in a Christian community. You just you give each other everything, don't you, and, and get alongside each other. When you don't, it's not this glaze of when it's just going good and everything's, oh, yeah, everything's hunky-dory, it's fantastic. But when you're struggling, you've got someone to go to, go to and, and live lives with each other. And the other thing I would say is, as we were um, planning this and, and I sort of sent the questions to George and Faye, they were, they, they were struggling with why we'd ask them to come up here and tell their story. And I would, I would encourage all of you, don't ever diminish the value of your story. Don't ever think that your story is not worth telling. My story is a fairly ordinary story. Grew up in the northeast, Christian family. There's nothing spectacular about it, but you know what? It's mine. And I hear stories of people who've gone through all this stuff, and I think, wow, I wish I had a, a testimony like that. I don't, really, because I don't want to go through all that stuff. I've been very fortunate in my life. But your story has value because it's your story about you and God. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Rob. <laughs> um, and, and the title of today, like I said, is Jesus is My Foundation. You heard there how, how George and Faith sought to build their lives upon um, Jesus and how he is in their lives and who he is in their lives and the importance they put on that. Um, for those of you who don't know what I do, I'm a structural engineer, which means I know an awful lot about foundations. Um, so if someone could lock the doors, I'm going to tell you all about them <laughs> for the next couple of hours. Um, I know more about concrete than... I've forgotten more about concrete than most builders will ever know, I'll put it that way. It's, it's embarrassing. Um, Let me just open with a a reading from Matthew chapter 7. Hopefully it'll come up on there. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against it, and it fell with a great crash. Sounds like Jesus knew a thing about too about foundations as well, didn't he? He understood the value of what you, what you build something on. And if you think of your life like a house, like Jesus is talking here, you have a choice. You have a choice what you want to put underneath it. When we design foundations in structural engineering, what we're trying to do really is we're trying to get down to good ground. We're trying to make sure that whatever it is we're building is on something firm. And we dig down really deep and we put it on. Depending on how big the building is, depends how far down we go. The um, tallest building in the world uh, in Dubai, the Burj Khalifa, has foundations that are 53 metres deep. That's 150-odd feet. Probably twice the height of this down. And you don't even see it, but it needs to be there to hold it up. So 
So if your life is like a house, what, what are you putting at the bottom? What is your foundation? Where do you put the importance in your life? Do you look, after, do you look for your job? Do you think that gives you value? Are you chasing money, fame maybe? Are you living for the weekend? Do you look for it in relationships, sex, TV? What is it that you want to build your life on? Because whether you like it or not, you're making a choice. Jesus said, uh, sorry, in Psalm chapter 55, verses 22, it says, Cast your burdens on the Lord, and he will sustain you. Put all of your load on Jesus. The very weight of the house that you're building, put it on Jesus, and it won't go anywhere. It is bedrock and absolutely firm. We talked earlier about Jesus' love never, ever fails. It is reliable and powerful and strong enough to take it. The thing to remember is that the Christian life is not a veneer. It's not wallpaper. It's not the roof or the windows. It is the foundations. Because if the foundation's not right, the whole house loses its value. And you've probably all seen photographs of houses with subsidence and settlement and cracks in the walls and things, and they become unsafe, uninhabitable, and have no value at all. Because the very thing that was put there to hold them up in the first place is wrong. So let me challenge you right now. How permanent are your foundations? Are they just fleeting with this life? Or are they eternal? My foundations are eternal. George and Faye, their foundations are eternal. They've built their lives on the promise that Jesus loves them and cares for them. Have we done that? Maybe you want to do that this morning. Maybe you're thinking to yourself... I want some of that in my life. I want to not have to chase after all those superfluous things that just this kind of veneer or the wallpaper. I want, I want Jesus to be a foundation in my life, not just a brick in the wall. I'd just like to invite the band back up again to play. And if people want to respond, hopefully the people who, there's going to be people around you who pray with you. I'll stick around at the front and some of the people will be around. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to speak truth into your life and say, yeah. Get stuck in. Jesus wants to be more involved in your life. He wants to be absolutely holding you up through everything you go through. Isn't that incredible? God, whose love never fails, wants to be intimately involved in your life. Let me close with a a reading from Romans chapter 8, which is one of my favorite passages in the Bible, actually. My Bible behaves itself. It says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is your foundation rock? as your foundation sand. Thank you.